Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Hey, I just want to say you look so good today, and if I haven't told you in a while, I want you to know how much I love you. What an honor to be here with you and doing life together, all right? I'm just so thankful that out of all of the places that we could be, that God has brought us together here at this time. Hey, ladies, man, how many of you, by the raising of your hand and keep it up, have signed up for Unstoppable, the ladies' conference? Look at that. Look at that. Hold your hands up high. Hold your hands. I'm looking at all the ones who don't have their hands up and taking note and wondering why you haven't signed up. Either you're going to be out of town, or you're working, or you didn't know there was such a thing, because you would sign up. This is sort of like Jesus is coming back. I mean, that's, that's how good it's going to be. So, guys, if you're married and your wife didn't raise her hand, go sign up for her. Your life will be better after this conference, right? So I'm just telling you that, so I really encourage you to do that, okay? You all right with that? If... Yeah, okay. If you're mad at me, you just have to pray. All right, so anyway. Say, he called me out. You're dang right I called you out. You know, we have, we, every once in a while we need somebody to call us out that uh, we need to do something with our life, right, and to make it better. We talk about we want to make it better, and then we miss it. I think there should be 200-plus ladies at this event, and uh, you're going to really enjoy it. Well, you have your Bible with you or your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use. Let's hold it up, and let's make this confession today together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you that we're not here to play church. We're here to do life. We're to draw closer to you and then make an impact in the world that is around us. We thank you for every first-time guest that would join with us today. What an honor that you would allow them to come and that we could be in their presence. We thank you, Lord, for those that are faithful every week, for those that are serving on campus today, and for those that are serving online right now with our online church. And Lord, as we come to look at another of these teachings on the Holy Spirit, I just ask you to anoint me today because the words I have scribbled down are words but it's when your anointing comes that you change those words from words to revelation. So I pray today, and I desperately need you today, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been in this series called I've Got the Power, talking about the Holy Spirit. Our theme verse has been Acts 1 and 8. Would you read it with me out loud? I know you've memorized it by now, but let's say it together. Read it loud. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Hey, let's think about this. After nine weeks, today's nine weeks of studying about the Holy Spirit, let's imagine with all the parks that we have around here that you're going to board a spiritual gifts roller coaster. A spiritual gifts roller coaster. So where kind of person would you be seated? Would you be the person that has your arms out, ready for the ride, hold your arms up, scream, do all of that? Or would you be the person that your arms are sort of tucked in underneath the harness and you're not really sure, but you shot, you showed up for the ride and you're, and you're sort of holding on? Or maybe you would be somebody that didn't get on the ride because you're too short. 
No, you didn't get on the right because you weren't sure. But I, I really believe in this series, what I hope is that we all would say, hey, I'm on this ride. And it's okay if you got your arms tucked in underneath the, the harness because you're learning, but you're riding, you're holding on. Some of you come up to me and said, I've never heard such things about the Holy Spirit. And by the way, didn't Pastor Tim do an amazing job last week with that teaching? Wow, so great, so great. And you know what? He's a great example. This is his day off. We give everybody a day off, and uh, the day before and after the birthday, or if not, we should, right? So anyway, but, but he chose to come to church today. Come to, chose to come to church today. So it, isn't that amazing? That, I, I, that just speaks volumes to me. It doesn't mean you're going to get a raise, but it just speaks volume, all right? <laughs> but after this time, I hope that you're learning, and I hope you're growing. And I hope that you're really personally praying and believing for the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Today, we're going to talk about gifts of power, signs and wonders. We're going to talk about miracles and faith and that. How many of you have ever had a miracle in your life? How many of you have ever sensed that God is just getting ready to do something in your life? Hey, on our Facebook page, the Father's House Facebook page, we have a prayer and praise group. I would really encourage you to be part of that prayer and praise group because what we do, if a person has a prayer request, they can put it there and we pray about that. Or if you have a praise. But here's what I'd like for you to do. In these next two or three weeks as we're coming to an end of these series, if you've had an event in your life, now don't give us the, don't give us the dissertation of it, you know, like 20 pages, you know. Sometimes people send me a text or emails and I just simply say in my mind, D-R-T-L. Didn't read too long. I mean, I'm looking for the bottom line. So here's what I'm going to say. If God has done a miracle in your life or the spiritual gifts are working somewhere and God's doing something unusual or you've learned something in this Holy Spirit, would you go on to the praise part of that and say, hey, I just want to give a praise. Here's what God has done. He's done this miracle. He's revealed this to me. Would you do that on the prayer and praise? That would be great. I want to look today at a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. We looked at this last time, but in a different translation. I want to look at it in the Passion Translation. It's the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gift. Say different varieties. That means we're all not the same, right? And God's not the same. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. In other words, as he works that gift and as he gives you the power to operate that gift. Each believer is given continuous revelation. Say continuous. Revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. The Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, are to benefit everybody. Everybody. That's the person behind you, around you, and I start to say through you, but behind you, around you, and setting all around, okay? For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. We talked about that. To another, the gift of the Spirit gives a word of revelation knowledge. We talked about that. To another, the same gift of healing. To another, the same gifts of, gifts of faith, and then the gifts of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles, say miracles. And to another, the gift of prophecy. We've already talked about that. 
To another, the gift of discerning the Spirit, what he's speaking. We looked at that one, so if you, haven't, if you weren't here, go back in the archives and catch those. To another, different kinds of tongues. We'll talk about that next week. To a different, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it's the same Holy Spirit, look at this, who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Look at those, look at those action verbs. He distributes, say distributes. He activates, and he operates these. So it's not up to you. He does that. He does that. And so we, uh, we looked at the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's nine gifts in here. We've already talked about three. Those were called the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit, things that God wants us to know. We talked about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and prophecy, right? And next week, we're going to talk about the vocal gifts, and uh, they, we speak God's will. But today, we want to talk about the, the power gifts, the power gifts. We want to talk today about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power gifts that do what? Do something. Do something. Look at your neighbor and say, don't just think it, do something. Right. Yeah, if that's your husband or wife, you can say, don't just think you're going to give me a kiss, but go ahead and give me a kiss, all right? And if that's a stranger, don't put the pressure on them, all right? Let the Lord take care of that. So the power gifts to do something, they originate in the realm of the physical. When we talked the last time about the gifts to know, they operate in our intelligence or in our mind. These are things that God wants us to know. But these are things that God wants us to do. These are the God acts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 from the Amplified says, look at this, this is so good. Now, there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts. I want you especially to look at this next part. Special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of Holy Spirit operating in believers. It's not that the Holy Spirit is waiting to see if you're worthy and then he operates a gift. You know what I've learned a lot of times that when I start to pray for somebody for their healing or pray for a need, maybe we're going to lay on hands. We believe that's a scriptural principle. And about the time I get ready to do that, into my mind will come a thought like this. Well, you haven't prayed enough. You haven't fasted enough. You're not good enough. You, you raised your voice to your wife this week. And congratulates to you, Pastor Tim, for acknowledging to your wife in the presence of all of us something that you needed to take care of last week. So anyway, when I get ready to do that, those thoughts will come to me. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You haven't done enough. And you know what? That's exactly right. But the scripture says right here, the special abilities given by grace, by grace. It's not that I earn it. It's not that I deserve it. So when those thoughts come to me, I simply say, you're right. I didn't pray enough. You're right. I didn't fast enough. You're right. I'm a skunk. I, I, was, I was bad with my wife, but I'll apologize or I did apologize. So I'm just one up on the devil. I'm not going to argue with him. I know this. Spiritual gifts operate out of grace if we deserve it or if we don't deserve it, but it's because something that God wants to do for the body of Christ. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap and say amen. So today I want to talk about some of these. I want to talk about, first of all, the gift of faith, pistis. It's the supernatural impartation uh, of belief and confidence for a particular situation. Would you read that with me? The supernatural, everybody, the supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a particular situation. Now, there, 
really three kinds of faith in the New Testament. There's the believing faith. That's the faith that we use when we become a believer. When we realize that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again, and the only way to pay for our sins is to believe on him. So that believing faith that you exercised, and you said, That's, I, I'm believing in Jesus. And then there's daily faith. Romans uh, 12 and 3 says, God has given a measure of faith to us all. And that's the everyday faith that we have as we look at the scripture and as we believe. And those are not this special gift of faith. This gift of faith is a supernatural believing faith. Someone once said, this is, you could write this down, this is special faith. This is special faith. This is not something that you come up on your own, but it's something that right in the middle, for instance, let me explain it like this. This might help. You're facing or going through a difficult time. And in the midst of that, you say, there's no way that I'm going to get through this. There's no way we're going to come through this. And then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit inside of you gives you such encouragement that you're able to look at your spouse or someone else on your business and say, you know what? Don't panic. We're going to come through this. Well, what do you mean we're going to come through this? I just know. I just know in my knower that we're going to come through this. Anybody ever sense that? That's a gift of faith that God gives us that we didn't earn or deserve. It's the ability to believe what you don't really believe. Sometimes we say, that's impossible. There's no way in that. But then all of a sudden you say, but, but I believe for that. It doesn't make sense, but I believe for that. That's this gift of Holy Spirit faith. Or it's a mysterious surge of confidence that rises in a situation. Several years ago, uh, when I was um, still in college, I was playing a game of pickup basketball with a few guys, and we were going after a loose ball, and the guy beside me, we were both going after the same one. He swung his hand around, and his, his little finger went inside my, my left eyeball socket and popped something. I immediately fell back, and it just like I, was, I felt like I was dead. In the midst of that, here's a bunch of guys, some are believers, some are not. But a friend of mine stood right there, and his first, his first response was, let's don't call 911. Well, we were so far back in the country that 911's a horse and buggy. So that, that wouldn't have helped anyway. But it wasn't, oh my, look what's happened. They told me after the fact that after he hit me with his hand, something behind my eyeball popped out. Now, I didn't take a picture of it, and I didn't have a mirror, so I can't tell you what it was. So those of you that are medical detail people are wondering, know what it was, ask somebody who knows. I don't know, but it popped out. I didn't see it. I didn't know it was there, but I sure felt like I was one step away from death. And immediately, the first response of my friend was this, let's pray. Not let's worry, let's pray. Where did he get that? I asked him. I said, how did you come up? I mean, look, something's hanging out. I, we, you didn't know what was hanging out, and I didn't know what was hanging out either. I just knew that it was bad, and there was some blood. But you said immediately, let's pray. So they immediately laid hands on me and prayed because of an instantaneous, supernatural gift of faith that he received that this wasn't the end result. And they tell me, I don't know because I couldn't see it, but they tell me that as they were praying, not a long prayer, but as they were praying, something popped and all of that mess snapped back in my eye, and I've never had an issue with that for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell you, we need gifts of faith operating in your family, in your, with your kids, in your business, in the church. Instead of just panicking, we need to wait on Holy Spirit and let Holy Spirit give us that 
sense of confidence above what we could ever have. And you know what? If it's a gift of faith, there's no striving. You're not trying to make it happen. Look at Mark 3, Mark 4, 37 through 41. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. His disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. You know, like a lot of you panic when a situation comes up. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Didn't panic him. Didn't panic him. But the confidence of the Holy Spirit. A great example of this is a guy by the name of George Mueller. If you've never read the story of George Mueller and his wife, you need to read it. Read it. They ran an orphanage, and they took care of about, about 3,000 kids in their lifetime. He never solicited funds. He never asked for people to give to his ministry. He simply prayed because he had faith that if God gave him this ministry, God would provide. So he would pray. And here's one of the stories. You've you got to read it, but here's one of the stories. He had 300 orphans that morning sitting down at the tables in the room to eat breakfast. And he said, all right, let's bow our heads and let's thank God for the food. Now, side note, there was no food. They had no food in the kitchen, no food in sight. He didn't send out a call to the local food bank. I need food, need it quick. He just simply had faith, unbelievable faith, a gift of faith to believe that if God called him in that ministry, God would provide. So he bowed his head. 300 kids bowed their heads and prayed. After they lifted their heads, there was nothing remarkable that had happened. Nothing just came out of nowhere onto the table. But about the time they lifted their head, there was a knock on the door. And the baker said, hey, I overcooked today. I have more bread than I need. And I think I have enough for all your 300 orphans. Would it be all right for me to leave that for you? Of course it would be all right. Of course. And then about the time the baker left, another knock. The milkman that was delivering said, my cart just broke down in front of your orphanage. And I've got all of this milk that will spoil. But I just want to see, could you use it here in your orphanage with the kids that you have today? And of course, George Mueller said, yes, I can. I'm going to tell you, when God gives you a gift of faith, you can stand on that and believe forever. We need more gifts of faith through the Holy Spirit. One minister said, the gift of faith is like God holding you up and screwing your head dumping out all the doubt and unbelief, and then filling you up with high-octane leaded fuel. That's God's faith. Amen? So let me talk next about gifts of healing. Notice it's plural, healings. Gifts of healings. It's a supernatural endowments of divine health. Supernatural endowments of divine health. The actual Greek word here at the very beginning comes from the root word, eomai. It's interesting. EMI means to cure and describes a process of being doctored by a medical doctor. The doctor, listen to this, the doctor prescribes a medical solution, but he doesn't produce instantaneous results. He prescribes some medicine, 
and he, he prescribes a, pros, a procedure for the healing. I can, we got some great doctors in this house. I love our doctors and our medical team. But you know what? I've never been to a doctor that said to me, I, wanna, I want right now, I'm going to heal you, right? I'm going to prescribe this, and instantly, you're going to be better. No, what they say is, I'm going to give you a prescription, fill the prescription, do this procedure, and if you do it the way I am, the way I'm telling you, then you should be better after a period of time. That's this word, gifts of healings. But sometimes we think healings are always instantaneous. If I have the gifts of healing, then it would be instantaneous, but not always. Sometimes the healing comes, as James said, you call for the elders of the church to pray over you, and they pray, and you're healed. But sometimes gifts of healings are a process. Now, you say, well, why is that important? It's important because God moves on you through the Holy Spirit with, a, with the gifts of healings, and you pray for somebody, and you say, do you feel better? No, I don't feel better right now. And so then the devil jumps all over you and says, yeah, see, see, it wasn't, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a gift. Of, you don't even know when that happens. But what you've got to understand is that sometimes healings are a process, but yet it's still that God brings the healing in that. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's that. So don't get discouraged if you don't see it instantaneously, right? It's literally, in Greek, it's literally called the gift of curing. And it's a progressive result. The gift of the Holy Spirit is very often the supernatural cure. It's in your notes there. It's a couple of fill-ins that begins with prayer and at times the laying on of hands. But the healing may take full effect over a period of time. Although divine in nature, the word healing used here nonetheless refers to a progressive result. Remember Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed the lepers, prayed over them, and he said to them, go you show yourself to the priest. And as they what? As they went, they were cleansed of the leprosy. It was not instantaneously, but it was as they were going. Several years ago in 2017, some of you heard this story, but I don't care. It's, it's good enough to tell again. God needs glory. In 2017, I had a condition, an issue with a cough that wouldn't go away. It was, it was just horrible. All, I would just cough, and I'd wake up all hours of the night coughing, and I would try to preach, and I would cough. And I've got a very good doctor, Dr. Gregory Brown. And Gregory said, we've done through all the tests we have. I see some things I don't like, and I want to send you to Moffitt Center. I don't want to send you to a local doctor here, uh, because most of our doctors here, we do what we've been taught. We're not on the cutting edge of what's really happening. But he said, Moffitt is on the cutting edge. So he sent me to Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, they run a bunch of tests. They brought me back into the room, July 24, 2017. Set me down, and they heard those, I heard those words that nobody ever wants to hear about that horrible word starts with a C, cancer. He looked at me, and he said, here is a picture. You have lung cancer. And so I want to set up a surgery in the next two weeks for you to have surgery so we can take care of that. All I'm thinking about, great man of faith, all I'm thinking about is, What's Anita going to do? Am I going to die and she's going to marry somebody younger? <laughs> she's sure not going to marry somebody older. <laughs> what about my kids? What about my grandkids? What about you, the church? And, and the doctor said, if you were my own brother, I would tell you the same thing. This is definitely cancer, and there's no hope. Anything else other than surgery. But Anita, a gift of faith rises up in her.
And she says, Doctor, we're people of faith. Would you give us a couple of months to pray about this? We don't want any medicine right now. We just want to pray about this because we believe that God can heal. All right, I'll give you a couple of months. And he said, you, skip, you step back and the date was to come back in se September. But he said, you know, I, we'll go ahead and I'll make the procedure and get you ready for this. So we came back. I'm still, my head's still sp spiraling, still trying to figure those things out. And uh, so we called a few people for prayer. We didn't tell everybody about it because I didn't need pity parties. And I didn't need somebody coming up to me and saying, my Uncle Bill had lung cancer, and then it was kidney cancer, and then it was eye cancer, then he had tongue cancer, and then his head fell off because of cancer. And I'll tell you, it's going to be a hard journey for you. I, I don't, you don't need to hear that when you're struggling with something. You need to surround yourself with people that have faith. You need to surround yourself with people who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit are still alive today. So we called a few people and then we went back in September and uh, the doctor said, okay, we'll run the same test and then after the test, I'm going to send you downstairs. We're going to set you up for cancer uh, surgery. And two weeks from now, you'll be in here early in the morning, 4 o'clock. You'll be in here for surgery. And here's how long it'll be. You'll be in the hospital. You'll do all of that. So we're downstairs making all those things. They're saying, you know, don't take your medicine. Don't do this. Be here at 3.30. Do that. Do something else. And the nurse comes in with a big smile on her face. And she says, they want to see you upstairs. I'm thinking, lady, where's your sympathy here? I'm feeling bad for myself. You know, they're going to have surgery here in a couple of weeks, and they want to see me upstairs. And I went upstairs, and the doctor showed me these x-rays. You can see them here. The one from July 24th. See the cancer? And see in September, completely gone away. And he looked at that, and he said, well, I thought it was cancer, but it might have not been cancer. We said, well, we know what it was, and we know God healed. But I want you to know, it wasn't on July 24th that Anita laid hands on me, or the pastors laid hands on me, and boom, I was healed. It was from July 24th to the middle of September. It was that, it was that progress that God was working, and all along, we were stirring up our faith, believing faith. You say, why do you show me that? Because some of you need to know that what you've been diagnosed is not the final result, that there is a gift of the Holy Spirit that still operates in miracles and signs and wonders. If you believe that, say amen. The third gift we want to look at in this is the working of miracles. We need some miracles, don't we? Miracles here. Uh, there you see the word supernatural, divine operation of power that overrides natural laws and quickly does what is naturally what? Impossible. Remember John chapter 2? Jesus uh, told his servants, fill the waters, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine. For you religious people, it doesn't say grape juice. It says wine. Not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everybody has lots of drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. You, you, you kept the top shelf until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. He says, look, you, this is the best that there is. Now, is that it? Look, he, 
water to wine. How many of you believe that's a miracle, right? Water to wine would be a miracle. Here's another one. Look at this. Matthew 15. Jesus said, give these people something to eat. And the disciples replied, where would we get enough food in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They said, well, we found seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people, sit down on the ground. Then he took seven loaves and fish, lifted them up, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, gave the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. Then they ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day in addition to all the women and the children. How many of you believe that's a supernatural miracle? I mean, how, how do you do that? You just take that amount, you're going to feed 4,000 plus men. That's almost 10,000 people you're going to feed out of that. And it didn't multiply until he put it in the hands of the disciples, and the hands of the disciples began to give it out. You see, that that's me says right there, these gifts of the Spirit that God gives us also, you see, it, they can be there, we can study them, but it's when you start using your gifts, it's when you start using them that God uses those to touch other people. What a miracle! Isn't that awesome? Um, the Lord woke me up last night in the middle of the night. He reminded me of a story I read years ago in Guidepost Magazine, 1984. And I, I sort of remembered the story, but the Lord woke me up and he said, Ain't May. Ain't May. Oh, yes, Ain't May and the story of the, uh, the storms. But I don't have that. And I couldn't Google it. I couldn't find it. May 1984, they didn't have that anymore. So I said, Lord, I, I think that's a good story. I remember it, but I don't remember the details. And the Lord, on the way to church this morning, riding my bike, he said, because I, I remembered it used to be in my black Bible, and I had it inside of my black Bible, and had one page of notes called Wastelands or Wilderness from a teaching. That's a long time ago. And handwritten on the back of that was this story from Guidepost. And I thought, where is that? And the Lord said, you cleaned your office out the other day. But you kept that story, and you put it in the filing cabinet with a bunch of other papers. So I got here this morning, Sean was here. I said, let's go in here and see if I can find that. Opened up the filing cabinet, and right there on the top was this story. So evidently, God wants somebody to hear this story. First of all, he woke me up in the middle of the night, and I like to sleep during the night because I have to get up and go to the bathroom and up as an old man, all right? So, so I like to sleep. So this is for somebody that's here today. True story of Frank and May Hobbs in East Colorado, 1984 Guidepost. True story of Aunt May and Frank Hobbs. They lived in eastern Colorado where it was a barren land, tornadoes, dust bowls, dust storms. It was a hard living Frank couldn't handle it, and he hung himself. And, he, and his, now she's left with four children and a nephew who wrote this story for Guidepost. He said, the banks were now threatened foreclosure, and then an epidemic of grasshoppers destroyed our grazing pastures, and everything looked bleak, and there was no hope for Aunt May. But she read somewhere that turkeys eat grasshoppers, so she sold off some of her personal heirlooms and bought 2,000 turkeys. She herded them out into the fields to eat the grasshoppers. And the same day she herded them out in the fields to eat the grasshoppers, there was a hailstorm that came. It didn't have time to get the turkeys in safety, and that hailstorm killed all 2,000 turkeys. The children said, Aunt May sat at the table crying. 
She opened her Bible, read her Bible, and said she closed her Bible and she made a new decision. She would sell some of the cattle and she would buy 2,000 more turkeys, put them in the field. But this time, she didn't leave them by themselves. She brought her Bible with her and she stood out there with those turkeys and she held her Bible up. She prayed, she believed. The only time she ever laid her Bible down is when a few coyotes would come around, try to get the, the turkeys and she would chase them off. Now in eastern Colorado, there on the high prairies, storms would come over the horizon like dark pirate ships, huge, dark, black, and scary. As she's standing out there, she began to see in the distance that clouds began to form. The wind picked up, and she could see hail in the distance. Hail again. She had no time to rush those turkey back into safety. But the kids said, we thought she had lost her mind out of all of the pressure because she didn't run. She stood flat-footed in the midst of that approaching storm. And they said, we watched her as she took her old Bible, her trusty Bible, and as she lifted it up, and as the wind began to blow the pages, and she stared down the storm. And as she stared down the storm, they said she began to quote scripture. She stood her ground. She wasn't moving. Here was a storm that was coming, and she wasn't going to have it this time. And the first scripture she cried out is, they shall cry out to the Lord in their troubles, and he brings them out of the distress. Then she quoted, he makes storms calm so that the waves are stilled and they shall be glad because they're quiet. And so he guides them through their desired haven. And they said, the wind is whipping. The Bible is flipping around. Her hair is going. But she's shouting, standing, looking at the storm. And finally, she quotes this last psalm. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. And they said, as she said that last verse, she, they said, the storm moved from directly on their farm to an area on the north where there was nobody living, and, the, and it dropped all the hail there. And she stood out in the middle of that fence in the field, and she watched that storm go around. You know what that is? That's a modern-day miracle, and God still does modern-day miracles. Amen? Do you believe that today? Yes, we need more of that, right? So what are we going to do? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 says, this is what we should do. Pursue this love with eagerness. Remember Paul, when he talked about the gifts of the Spirit, he sandwiched it in between love chapters. And he said, whatever you do, do with love. Do with love. But then he says, look at this. Read this with me, the underlying part. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. Let's look at that again. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. He says, I want you to do everything in love, but he said, here's one thing I want you to do. I want you every day to cultivate a desire that you can be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can operate gifts through you. That word desire is an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word zelos. Here's what it means. To boil over with jealousy, to have something. To boil over with jealousy, to have something. Some of you have been that way, right? Somebody got a brand new car, and you've never had a new car. And, you know, we're not supposed to be jealous, but hello. We look at that, and we say, why me? Why not, why not me and my chopped liver? 
Why can't, and that jealousy, why can't I have something like this? And that desire to say, you know, one day I'm going to have something like that. One day I'm going to have a house. One day I'm going to have this. It's that jealousy. And Paul says, would you, would you, would you desire the gifts of the Spirit so much that you become jealous over them until you are a vessel that the, spirits, that, that the gifts of the Spirit can operate? Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, healings, miracles, signs and wonders, and, and, and those things. So he, says, so he says, I want you to have that same desire. So you say, okay, well, what, what, what do I need to do? What's my next steps? Well, some of you don't know, but we have a Bible college here called the Father's House College of Biblical Studies. Uh, and you, we have some great courses. But out of the courses in our college, I, I really would like for you to do one course, BT 515. It's the Gifts of the Spirit by Dr. Ron Cottle probably one of the greatest theologians and teachers I've ever met in my life. And, and I, in fact, I began rereading some of the, the documentation, some of the classes that I took. BT 515. These brochures are out there so you can sign up for that. The next thing I want you to look at is a couple of quotes there that I have in your notes. I think I have those in your notes at the very beginning. It says, when you, at the end, when you serve in an area of your gifting, you'll serve with greater competence. When you serve in an area of your passion, you'll serve with greater enthusiasm. When you serve in a manner consistent with your personal style, you'll serve with greater freedom. What's that saying? Going back to the back. There are differences of ministries. There are differences of gifts. There are differences of that. Why, what's it saying? That we're not all the same. So just in, in your area of how that you serve, but it's, it's not in setting back, but it's using those, like the first week we talked about the motivational gifts. Uh, one of those is, is serving. And if you're not serving, then I wonder, what's, what's up with that? Think about this. You're asking God, God, I need a miracle in my life. I need you to cooperate with me, Lord. I need this miracle. But yet then the Lord says, I've given you a motivational gift, and you're supposed to use it for the good of those that are around you. But then what if you're not using that? But yet you're saying, God, I want you to partner with me, but yet I'm not willing to serve with the gifts that you have given me. That doesn't compute. That doesn't compute. You need to take that connection card or get into growth track. Use that connection card. You can fill it out this morning and on the back of it say, give me information about volunteering, parking cars, running the golf cart out there. That fancy golf cart, that's sweet, huh? We should put some powerful mufflers on that. Make some noise of that thing, right? Pull wheelies. Is that pull wheelie out there? All right, so no wheelies. Sorry, Maggie, no wheelies. Or maybe greeting. Working with our kids. Being part of the prayer team. Why, why wouldn't you? When you understand that God has gifted you in a particular way. Maybe it's not in church, but maybe it's in our community. Maybe you're doing something there. So many of you have things that, that we do. Because why? Because we want to be who God wants us to be. That last quote there I really love is from Sam Storms. I love his books, uh, and, uh, and I really like them. He said, we spend less time, if we would spend less time searching our spiritual gift or gifts, and more time actually praying and giving and helping and teaching and serving and exhorting those around us. In other words, doing something the likelihood greatly increases that we will walk headlong into our gift without ever knowing what happened. 
God will more likely meet us with his gifts in the midst of trying to help his children than we ever would of just taking a spiritual gift analysis test. Let's pray. Father, I come today and I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for not daily praying zealously, zealously for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in my life. God, if you'll help me for the rest of my life, I'm going to pray every day that I desire the gifts of the Spirit to flow through me to the benefit of other people. Forgive us, Lord, for getting apathetic or forgive us that we didn't even know we were supposed to pray that way. That, Lord, we want to become the people and the church that you can use to make a difference in our community, in our families, and in our homes. Miracles, healings. With every head bowed as you continue to pray for yourself, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life. Maybe you'd say today, you know what? I just, I just sensed the Holy Spirit drawing me to make a decision for Jesus. Let me remind you the story. The world's in a hopeless situation, no hope. Sin was destroying people's lives. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, lived a sinless life. He died on a cross to carry your sins and my sins. And then on the third day, he rose again to give us a fresh hope. And so today as you're sitting here, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart or if you need to rededicate your life to him, he's saying today, he's knocking on your heart's door and he's saying, I won't force my way in. But I sure would like to come in and I'd like to give you forgiveness of sins purpose for living and I'd like you to spend eternity with me and I tell you the greatest thing I would like to do today is to pray with you so if you're here as this church is praying praying for you if you're here and you say Terry would you include me in that prayer would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say that's me I need to invite Jesus into my heart and into my life I need to rededicate my life to him today that's me and those of you that are watching online, would you do that right now? Just lift your hand up and let me pray with you and believe with you today. You're saying, well, I, I don't know why, but I just really feel like that Jesus wants me to do that today. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you there in the back. Others, thank you. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad. But I want to pray with you today. I don't want you to leave without knowing, without a shadow of a doubt, that he's with you, that your eternity is settled. Church, would you pray with me, uh, with those in the house and those that are watching online? Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. Forgive me for sin. And I'm believing you right now to cleanse me and to trust me and give me a fresh start, a new beginning. As best as I know how, I want to serve you. Thank you, Lord. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. 
Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.